0: back. Mike Max in 3-6. Twins Yankees tonight. Twins ticket Tuesday means we'll give away a six-pack of tickets this hour. you got to stay listening now. Joining us right now in the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline, the one and only Terry Steinbach. He played many games against the New York Yankees. He's been a world champion, an all-star MVP, coached with the Twins, and that meant that he managed a lot of days for Mr. <laughs> the Twins because Guardy got thrown out. What, about every two weeks, Guardy would get thrown
2: out, Terry? <laughs> That's kind of what it seemed like.
0: <laughs> you know, you know, it, it's interesting because you told me once, I asked you the difference between being a bench coach and a manager, and you said, a bench coach, you're driving a car, and your manager, you're on a Harley Davidson going 80, and you better watch out for every bump along the way. Explain that. From, from the first inning, are you looking at every scenario and every situation and every who do I got to line up against them? What, what what goes through a manager's mind?
2: Absolutely, because as the bench coach, you're a sounding board. So you might be thinking some things. Guardy might ask, hey, what do you think? You give him your opinion. But ultimately, the manager has to make that final choice. So to answer your question, he is one or two innings ahead, and he might even have his matchups for the seventh, eighth, ninth inning, meaning if uh, the opposition brings in their closure. We got, and he's a right hander. We got these two lefties that we're going to save, uh, you know, and, and use accordingly. So you have to plan and prepare. And then if everything goes perfectly, you know, the way you want it, then, you know, it's not a big deal. But you throw one hiccup in, you know, we got to use the lefty earlier. Someone gets hurt. And all of a sudden you're, for lack of a better word, I don't want to say scrambling, but you're thinking really fast to make the appropriate moves that gives you the opportunity to win that game
0: or if a pitcher doesn't have his good stuff and he's out in the second or third inning it changes everything right
2: oh 100 percent. you know we thought maybe we'd save the bullpen you know you, normally this guy goes you know solid six seven innings uh brad Ratke for example you, you know back in the day i mean yeah. you know you could book seven solid innings out of him, maybe eight all of a sudden you know, once or twice a season, all of a sudden he's out in three. And now you're like, okay, bullpen, what do we got left? And then again, you're kind of looking forward to, do we have the sacrificial lamb, meaning that we got a long bullpen reliever. He's just going to have to suck it up because we need these pitchers, let's say, for this series coming up, and we just can't can't burn them right now. Mm-hmm.
0: Terry, the New York Yankees, when you played against them in Oakland, you guys were the big boys too. I mean, when Oakland came to town, it was a show uh McGuire, Maguire Steinbach Henderson I mean I mean it was something but it's still the Yankees and the pinstripe that goes with it and Yankee Stadium all goes with it w- what's it like to play the New York Yankees
2: the, the, the worst is playing the New York Yankees in New York when you go by the monuments. And we used to come in through center field, and everybody had to walk by the monuments. Mm-hmm. And, and you're just thinking, oh, my gosh, think about the the history of this place and everybody that's played here and all the accomplishments and all the pennants and, and, and uh, World Series flags that they got hanging out there. Extremely intimidating. You, you know, to play that. When we were playing, the Yankees were down. Uh, I think Steinbrenner had done some things, and they were had some recruiting issues that they couldn't do, so um, they weren't the Yankees of normal when we were playing them, and we beat up on them pretty good. But fast forward, uh, you know they're 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 winning the league right now. They got the best record. They're 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 playing great. They got the uh, uh, charisma when they walk in. You know they. They have the reputation, and unfortunately, against the Twins, you know it's almost like, "Hey, we know we're going to win. We don't know how."
0: (laughs) The 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 playoffs are just uncanny. You were part of some (laughs) of the. I mean, you could, you you know, in baseball, of all sports, there's a better chance that the underdog can win. So, at some point in time, you know, the ball should hit third base. That you know, whatever it is, and it never. Can you explain that?
2: It's just that karma that the Yankees have going. I think that they know they're going to win. And unfortunately, the, the, the Twins, it's not that they know they're going to lose. It's just that they know something might happen. You know what yep. I mean? And, and it's not probably going to go in, in their favor. And it's, it's almost like that um, over the past four, five, six years, the Twins are playing not to lose against the Yankees instead of playing to beat
0: the Yankees. When, when I was at the playoffs, still covering you guys, uh, you, you, you really can't explain Yankee Stadium in the playoffs in October. You got to be there and, and, and feel it to understand it. Because I had no idea that I got there, but it starts with the pregame because you know at one point in time Rudy Giuliani's the mayor and he's there, and Reggie Jackson's up against the batting cage, and uh, you know Andy Pettit comes walking out, and and, and then over there is Paul O'Neill. He's doing color commentary now, and oh yeah, the commissioner decided to stop by tonight because his offices aren't far away. I mean, it kind of starts there, and then during the game, it's almost like this low murmur just kind of builds, doesn't it? Like the fans know, hey, wait till the sixth, seventh, eighth inning, and it, it seems like it gets louder and louder and louder incrementally, and it's it's something you just feel that you can't explain except t- to see it or t- to be there, isn't it? Oh, absolutely, and and don't forget to add the media. You know, oh yeah, why they are there fifty-eight media guys, guys scattered I mean, around the manager? You know,
2: yeah the the the, the whole the whole area behind the batting cage is just full of media and you, and you walk out there and it's like, where the heck am I supposed to get loose here? You know? <laughs> yeah. you're, 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 and again, well deserved. I mean, it's 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 New York, and and again, more people. You got to get it out there. You got to get the news. You got to get the stories. We get all that, but you know, when you come from Minnesota, when you come from a small town, even Oakland, we had nothing like that. And then you step in Yankee Stadium, and you have everything you mentioned plus the media. Yeah, and 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 the fans out there are phenomenal. I mean, yep. Yeah, you hear all the horror stories, and they're true. You know, throwing batteries oh, yeah. and. And I can't even say most of the stuff that they yell at the outfielders. Yep. That they yell at you during batting practice. Yep. You can't even say over the air. But um, they are knowledgeable about the game. They they, they support their their fans. Uh, I mean, they they support their players tremendously. And it is. I mean, I mean, it, it, it's kind of like. If you beat the Yankees, all fifty thousand people in that stadium got beat that day. I mean, they're yeah. just as mad as the players are for getting yeah. beat. Them.
0: Yeah. So, so stack this up to me. Where do you see the Twins at right now versus the Yankees in turn, You know, the Yankees you mentioned best record in baseball, and they have really pitched well. I mean, their starting rotation's been outstanding. Everybody's have since they put the, the the baseballs back in the humidifier in the humidor, I guess. But but uh, do, are the Twins close to them right now in lineup? What's the separation?
2: I think that the Twins are close in, in, in lineup. I mean, you know, that good pitcher, you know, you, you, you have to take advantage of the mistakes that he's going to make. I mean, no, every pitcher gives the hitter at least one pitch to hit in the course of an at-bat. It might be the first one, might be the last one, might, might, might be pitch number 12. I, I don't know, but you have to be ready for that pitch, and you have to do something with that pitch. And, and the Twins have proven that they have the abilities to do that. Now, if they, can, if they can put the pinstripes aside, and I know that's an easier thing said than done, but if they can just go out there and, and play their game, I think they got a chance. The other thing I like, and jumping here if I'm wrong, I think we got a rookie pitcher pitching tonight, correct?
0: I think so. I haven't looked at the pitching matchup, but I think so.
2: Yeah, and, and I think that's going to be to their advantage because the Yankees are going to go, well, who's this guy? You know, we, we, what, what do we got? We've got to go to AAA to, to try mm-hmm. to find any video or footage on, on, on this guy. And, so and that's not a thing, bad thing. It's a good thing for the twins. Yep. I think they can use that to their advantage. Now, the hardest thing is going to be is for this young pitcher, you know, yeah. his first time out. He's going against the pinstripes. He's going against Aaron Judge. He's going against the Yankees. You, you know, so he could either have a great game or, just like we started this conversation, the bullpen might be in there early.
0: <laughs> uh, Terry, when uh, obviously the the twins were built for power, and we thought they were this year, and and nobody's built for power the way they used to be built for power. Have you enjoyed the the, the revert to? I don't want to call it small ball, but it, it's more baseball the way we used to know it. Do, do you think this is a, a pure uh, uh, rendition of the game?
2: I do, Maxie. I'm I'm in favor of. I mean, if you want to use the term small ball, fine, but. I'm a huge fan of playing the game the way the game, in my opinion, is supposed to be played. You got that leadoff double, find a way to get him over, find a way to get him in. I don't care if you bunt to get the guy from second to third. It doesn't matter. And I don't care if you get a jam shot, you, you know, but anyway, find a way to get that guy in, in from third. You have to be creative. You have to maybe throw in some hit and runs, guys who can steal, take advantage of that. Uh, a team that might have a, a, a slow leg kick pitcher, Jump on that. You know, you have to find ways to beat the Yankees. If you think you're going to outslug them, you know, like like you know, who's going to hit the most home runs? Forget it. You, you know, the balls are different right now, and you just have to be creative. And I think Rocco. Um, the times that I've listened to him, I think they're 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 starting that. They're talking about that. I think they're open to that. You you know, the bottom line is trying to get a win. However that happens, whether it's bunt. Whether it's the hit and run, whether it's a stolen base, you know, whether it's taking advantage of, of a, a mistake, you, know, you, you, you take an extra base because the outfielder Cadillac is on a ball. Whatever it is, you have to jump on those opportunities and try to get as many runs as you can across the plate.
0: Not that it matters, but who would you, for the rest of the season, if you're saying, you know, these twins, I mean, it's been just a strange lineup all the time. Is Correa the most important player on this team? Is it Buxton in terms of having them in the lineup every day? I guess both is really the answer, but what would concern you the most?
2: Yeah, I think both. But, I, I mean, I just think the energy that Buxton brings, uh, it, it, it even seems, at least in the games that I've watched, you know, I have to emphasize watch, it seems that when he's in there, it's almost like a whole different attitude on that team. Uh-huh. Um, and what Buxton can do for you, both, uh, you know, defensively, offensively, and the possibility of a of, of base ceiling, I think that the key is is to get that kid in as many games as he can. And and, and I get what they're doing. You, you know, we we got injuries that we're you know trying to prevent, and I'd rather take him for 120 games than try to play him every day. And all of a sudden, we lose him for half a season. So you know, in Korea kind kind of the same thing. So, uh, but my my bet would be. Buxton, I, I I think you know as early into the season as we are, I think you know the players, the current players that we have relate to him maybe a little bit better than sure. and, Craig, Craig You know, a new guy coming yeah. in from Houston just hasn't made his mark yet, and yeah. not, not that he can't. You know, I and, and and I think he will, but it's just more people are going to relate to two bucks and over Korea over right now.
0: Last question, Royce Lewis, do you see any uh, scenario? You know, obviously, he's injured right now, but uh, based on the, uh, on the sample of work, does he look like a guy that stays? Uh, is there a chance he goes up and down all year? What do you think?
2: Well, I think it's going to be the bat. And what he showed us in that short stint when he was here, the bat's going to be the key, especially if we're in an area right now where balls are a little bit deader and we're having a little bit harder time scoring runs, and I believe he was hitting over 300. You know when 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 they set him down, and and I was in favor of that too. Yeah. Um. I, I know he's a great athlete, but if we're going to try to get him in as many games as we can, he's going to have to be at least for maybe this year that utility player, that guy who can play some outfield, play some yep. third, play some short. You know, maybe even play 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 some second wherever we can get as bad in the lineup. So I think it was right to send him back over to St. Paul, play a couple uh, games at each of those positions before you throw him right into the lion's den of the major league baseball with the different intricacies that different stadiums have to offer, you know, in reference to balls off the fence.
0: Including running running into a wall target field that you haven't played before. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm in favor of that. And, and, and again, of course, you know, comes to bite you right in the butt, you know, (laughs) the first play he bangs his knee, but um, let's assume he heals up from that and everything's good. And he keeps swinging like he is. I see him being an integral part of of, of of this team. I think he's going to stay here and Rocco will have to use him, you know, accordingly, which is good. You know, if you can give Correa a day off, you can give Buxton a day off and you got a guy like Lewis to fill mm-hmm. in for him, holy cow. I mean, I, I think that's a, a manager's dream right there. For
0: sure. Terry, great talking to you. Always love your insights and I hope we can do it again soon.
2: Absolutely, Max. You guys take care.
0: Okay, you bet. Terry Steinbach joining us. Yes, Cole Sands on the mound for the Twins. I I was struggling for that name. I'm going, is it Sanderson? It's Cole Sands tonight uh, for the Twins. And I would imagine a very loose Twins bullpen. When we come back, your chance to win. Win what, you say? How about six tickets to watch the Minnesota Twins? That's what. Stay with us on WCCL. a home run. Ah, oh, yeah, boy, that song takes me back. You too? Driving into the parking lot of Met Stadium, all the different colors there on the uh, facing of the uh, ramp that you'd walk up and down, mm-hmm. big light standards, and oh, yeah, you're going to see a big league baseball game and you'd never seen grass that green and uniforms that white before. And this song will be playing as you drove the station wagon in, up 494 and exited on 24th. Right by the Thunderbird Hotel, and you'd go park in a the place they'd have like the lion or the you, you, you had you had marks for your parking spot because.
1: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
0: Parking lot was so big. Halsey Hall would be doing, Sid Hartman would be doing the pregame, all that stuff back in the day, and they'd play that song. We play that rendition again with a great sense of Twins history. This is your chance to win a four-pack of tickets to see the Twins take on Tampa Bay. Pretty good ball club down there again. Coming up this Friday. That's June 10th. Twins kicking off fireworks Friday, post-game fireworks every Friday night Uh, from June to August. This will be the first opportunity to watch fireworks when the game ends. All you have to do is be the third caller, 651-461-9226. 651-461-9226, the third caller, and you win a four-pack of tickets to the game on Friday night. And uh, look at the weather forecast. It looks like it should be a pretty nice night. On, on Friday, as of now, don't hold me to that. I'm not a meteorologist, but uh, based on what my phone says here, uh, let me scroll down. Yeah, that looks good. Yeah, it should be fine. It should be okay. Any showers will be during the day. Yeah, that should be good. Um, uh, and Tampa's got one of those teams that's uh you, you got to know them but when you know them you appreciate them and when you appreciate them you go whoa they've done something really cool here what they've done to compete in the east like Kerry Steinbach was talking about the Yankees weren't the Yankees back when Oakland was beating up on them. But Toronto was the team back then they were the chic team uh in the 80s early 90s and Baltimore even had a little piece of that action uh, and then the Boston Red Sox you know in 86 of course with their their uh failure but but the Tampa Bay has been one of the most um Amazing stories in all the sports that you can sit there in that small market with a stadium that people don't like and dreary area and and compete every year and and figure out a way to do it, whether it's analytics and this and that, but Rocco Baldelli used Rocco Baldelli was asked one day, says you know, he's a member he played for Tampa and he coached in Tampa and they said, What is it about Tampa? Well, how do they do this all the time? He goes, I, I don't have enough time in the day to explain to you how they do it because there's so much that goes into it that it would take me forever to even explain to you, and I can't even explain to you because there's so much detail and so many different things. David, do we have a winner? I, I think that means yes. Uh, twins ticket.
1: Uh, we sure do. Okay. Ju- uh, Julie is our winner, and right. uh, we're just getting some information from her, but Julie's going to go see the Twins on Friday night.
0: All right. Well, tell Julie to have fun, and, uh, and tell her, uh, according to my phone, it looks like the weather should be okay. Okay, sounds good. (laughs) When we come back, Tyrone Terrell. Uh, What's happening in Minneapolis? We've talked a little bit about it, but he is really in the middle of it. No, yeah, he was a pretty good hooper back in the day. I'm telling you, he can shoot it, man. Golden Gophers and beyond. Stay with us. Mike Max for Paul and Jor on Where Else? News Talk 830-WCCO. Welcome back. Mike Max taking you into the ninth inning. Then it's the pregame at 6 o'clock. Earlier start times during the week right now. Twins and the New York Yankees. 635, 640, first pitch right around there. Uh, but uh, we'll have it all covered for you. I'm not, I'm not even sure who's back in the radio booth anymore. I mean, that, that's how fluid this stuff is. Um, but hopefully, Corey's back there, Chris Atterbury, etc. They had COVID, they had to come back from Detroit. Joining us right now, Tyrone Terrell uh, works... Uh, in a lot of different ways. Tyron, what, what what's your official title? I always forget it.
3: President, African American Leadership Council.
0: That's that's exactly right. And I, and I used to have it written down. <laughs> and I looked at my <laughs> phone. And I did have it written down. I said, what am I doing? I was saying last night I was out walking on uh, Nicollet Mall and I ran to Sharif Willis. I'd never met him before, I had a long visit with him. He is a complicated Sharif Willis. Oh, good. Yeah, and and, you know, as as I sat with he and some of the volunteers that are trying to do some of the work there to keep peace, et cetera, on Nicollet Mall and and beyond, uh, and I listened to him, it it is a complicated city, Tyrone. Where is it at right now in your mind in your estimation? Do do you feel uh, optimistic about the next year or two? Do you feel pessimistic? How do you feel about the city of Minneapolis and where it's going right now?
3: I'm pessimistic probably, Mike, just from the fact that we have nowhere near the amount of resources that we need to get to the root cause of the problem. Um, we're out here now dealing with 18, 19, maybe sometimes 14, 15-year-olds, but we need to be dealing with second third graders, first graders to deal with this violence. If we don't cut the feeder group off, it's going to take a monumental effort for many of us, uh, from the government side to the corporate side to the community side to um, address this problem and so um, we need resources we need uh, to help these families we need to help these um, individuals move away from a life of violence or we're going to continue to see it mike
0: there are a number of foundations that were formed in the wake of george floyd's death and and I, I haven't really tracked it or followed it, is there access to, uh, for someone like you and others, ways that they they can create an educational program or, or do some of the things that you're talking about through the foundations and and, and the, uh, the the uh, 503Cs that have been formed?
3: A lot of those have dried up, Mike. Those are what I call Band-Aid approaches. Those are reactionary approaches to George Floyd's murder. And so many of those funds... Um, are no longer available. And and then funds that are available, there's, you know, a tremendous process you have to go through. But those funds address one element of the problem in our communities. Um, there's a bigger element of, again, the feeder group. There's no saying that you're downstream pulling the babies out of the river. You need to go upstream and see who's putting them in. Mm-hmm. And if we don't do that, if we don't do that, this level of violence and the cycle of violence is going to continue. It will not stop.
0: Do you think that the fact, and I don't know if this is a fact right now or not, but but certainly this was a lot of conjecture uh, for the last couple of years. Is is there such a lack of fear of authority and police officers and and the fact that they know numbers are depleted? Is that a big anchor uh, that allows for freedom?
3: Nothing? It has nothing to do with it. No. It has nothing to do with it at all. It's a good crutch for people to use, but that's not a problem. I say not a problem, meaning that we are still the most police community um, in St. Paul or Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. There's still cops in South Minneapolis. There's still cops in North Minneapolis. Uh, other less criminalized areas don't have policing. But there's always going to be cops and heavy police presence in North Minneapolis, South Minneapolis, and of course, St. Paul on the east side are in of you. but police is not our issue. Our issue is how are we going to deal with this crime wave that has been in our city now for over 40 years. And so if we don't get a conservative effort to do it, then we will continue to have these murders.
0: Are we seen as a vulnerable place for people to move to from other cities because they find it easy to get around if they're working in that underworld?
3: I hear that a lot, but a lot of the killings in St. Paul and Minneapolis are being killed by people who live born raised in St. Paul.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I get so tired. I'm glad you brought that up because I get so tired of people wanting to use it across. Oh, they come from somewhere else. No, they didn't. There's a few, but most of them, the, the, the problem is here.
3: Yeah, but Mike, they'll say, well, the kid, 22 years old, he came here when he was one.
0: Yeah, well, okay. Uh,
3: You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Uh, No. I mean, we have a problem that's deeply rooted in St. Paul, deeply rooted in Minneapolis, and it's impacted families that are born and raised in Minneapolis. And so are there some people that uh, migrate from other cities? Yes. But the criminal element in the black community... Is a nationwide problem, and so whether well, somebody moves from Chicago to Minneapolis or Minneapolis to Chicago, it's still the same thing. We got a problem that needs to be addressed in Black America.
0: When uh, when you do assessments of uh, of where it happens and how it happens, is there a part of Minneapolis that concerns you more than others because it's broken up into so many different neighborhoods?
3: No, I mean most of our murders in St. Paul are happening on the east side. Most of the murder in Minneapolis is happening on the north side, mm-hmm. um, and whether you do the Broadway, the highs and lows, that whole breakdown. So there's certain elements of our city. If there's a murder in Saint Paul, it's going to be East Side right now. Could mm-hmm. be in the Summit Youth Central part of the city in Saint Paul. Minneapolis again, north side, and possibly sometime on the south side. Um, but it's not going to be Kenwood, mm-hmm. <laughs> if, you know it's not going to be out there. It's not going to be very seldom. It's going to be even out by what we call literally dyno west, Southwest Minneapolis. Yep. It's not going to be out there. And so we pretty much know, right. The TV or the radio is even telling us, if you say murder tonight, most of the time it's going to be North Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. Or it's going to be South Minneapolis. St. Paul is going to be the East side summit. You. And so if we don't address the feeder group, and I'm going to say a hundred times, um, and deal with our first and second and third graders before they become full-grown people they are going to commit the same crimes.
0: Do you they're think it to has to them. do with the, with the curriculum that you have in school, or is it bigger than, much bigger than that?
3: it got nothing to do with schools. I don't let people. I hate when people even say that. The first teacher is still the parent. No child is born with a pistol in their hand. They don't come out of their mother's womb and say, give me a gun. Mm-hmm. They want to be loved, they want to be fed, they want to be nurtured, they want to be taken care of. Many of these children never get that. So violence and trauma and drama is all they know. So we have sometimes, we look at stuff through our lens. You can't do that. Their upbringing, their culture, their environment is totally different than yours, mine, or many people in this country.
0: Hmm. Where, where the last question, where would you start? How, how would you go about that? What would be the first initiative that we need right now?
3: We need to help these single moms and mothers out here who are struggling to make it, um, which, mean, which means to me, if she's making a job, has a job, making $20 an hour, she needs another 20 to stay home and take care of her children, make sure they go to school, make sure they're in some kind of program, whether it's cultural, religious, whatever, and they're doing good in school, then she gets that stipend. Mm. But we just can't let these families keep raising these children who have no future, don't understand.
0: You're saying incentivize the parents.
3: Exactly. Exactly. Exactly.
0: And you think that would work? They'd respond to that?
3: It would help, but it also takes the community. You know, we have a saying in the black community, it takes the village to raise a child, right? Mm. Well, the village is gone. There is no village. Yeah. Most people most people, don't know everybody on their block. I tell, you, I tell people all the time, tell me right now, everybody on your block, their home number, their cell number, the names of their kids, their birthdays, their middle name, and I'll give you $100. Yeah. Most people are scared to know their own neighbor. Yeah.
0: Right.
3: And if your house gets broken into, Mike, it's usually somebody who lives in four blocks of your house.
0: Right, and if and if you don't have that, that that unofficial coalition, you're not looking out for each other.
3: That's right. So don't yeah. don't save your city. Yep. save your block.
0: Yep. Hey, it went too quick. We got to go. We'll do it again soon. But thank you so much for Look the forward. insight.
3: Anytime, my man.
0: You got it, Tyrone Terrell. I call him TT because it's Teron Terrell T and then T. Get it? See, I'm not as dumb as you guys think.